Good morning, everyone. Is this working? Is this on? Can you hear me? Is it anybody? Can you hear me? You sure? Right. Good. Thanks. Thanks. So it's on. Uh, but really, can you hear me? You sure? Anybody there? A few people. Well, let me pray, and then uh, good to have your Bibles open, and we'll make sense of all of this stuff. Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks for your word. We pray that you'd be with us this morning as we consider it, as we think on it. We thank you for speaking to us already. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take a seat. It's good that you can hear me. It's good that the microphone's working. But the real question is, can you hear what God has said to the world? Do you hear what God has said, and especially what he has said in these last days through his son Jesus? Uh, I know that's kind of a random question to ask, but if you've been here over the last few weeks, actually, it shouldn't surprise you. Uh, Luke has been hammering away so that Theophilus might know the certainty of the things which he has been taught. And so as we come to Luke chapter 8, and it would be very good for you to have your Bibles open at Luke chapter 8, as we come to Luke chapter 8, we really need to listen. We just can't have deaf ears. Now's not the time to switch off or to be distracted. We, we can't go with just part of what God says or sometimes or with the bits that we only like, like I so often do, or we'll be unfruitful. And in the end, we might even be revealed as unknown to Jesus. Now, you'll remember the scene. Jesus has again been displaying his authority and his power. Uh, we saw last week the humble who responded to him received grace and mercy. If you remember back, there was the centurion who knew himself as needy and undeserving, even as those around him thought him powerful and generous and completely deserving of Jesus' attention because of his good reputation and good works. And then there was the the poor widow of Nain, left with nothing, and Jesus, filled with compassion for her, reached out and gave her back her son from the coffin. And then there was the sinful woman kneeling behind Jesus, kind of in the shadows, out of Jesus' sight, behind Jesus because of her sin, and yet receiving forgiveness and grace even in the presence of the upright of her community. Those humble, receptive ones had received grace and mercy. So look with me now at Luke chapter 8. Are you sure you can hear me? Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to notice two things in these first verses. Firstly, notice again the priority of the word of God. Jesus is speaking as he travels. He's proclaiming. There are miracles there, that's true, and they validate his authority. And so in the next verse, we're told the 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. But it is the speaking that has the focus. Secondly, notice that there are those there who have joined with Jesus in his mission. The 12 are there, did you see them? And also the women who are at the very least involved in the financial support of Jesus' work, they're with him too. And these people are identified as being involved 
They are Jesus' disciples, aren't they? Being involved rather than just a spectator matters in this section. And indeed, throughout the whole gospel, as we'll see. And notice too that this group, that this group, uh, as Jesus speaks, he seems to be primarily speaking to them. Now, if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, that means that what he says here might well and truly apply to us pretty closely. Uh, As the crowd gathers, uh, so in verse 8, when a great crowd gathered, actually it would be better translated, or while a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said to them in a parable, now we know this parable, don't we? A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Now, it's a passage of Scripture that we're so familiar with, that for many of us, we will struggle to hear what Jesus is actually saying. Sometimes when we become so familiar with things, we struggle to hear what it says. Uh, That's a danger particularly of pastors. Uh, But you may have experienced that too. Now those who have joined Jesus in his mission might also be struggling to hear him here. And we call this parable the parable of the sower. And that rightly puts the emphasis on God, the sower. Sometimes, though, it's called the parable of the seeds, and that rightly puts emphasis on God's word. Others call it the parable of the soils, and again, that's, that's a good description of it, because it puts a helpful emphasis on the response of those who are hearing God's word. I've never heard it called the parable of the gospel, and I think that's a good thing. Because the primary hearers are those who have already joined Jesus in his mission. That's going to be a crucial thing for us to come to grips with. Although it does apply on that level too, that people hear the gospel and respond to it in different ways, it is teaching for those primary hearers about God's word and the way that people respond to it. So let's work it through quickly and we can do that very quickly because Jesus himself tells us what the parable means very helpfully in verses 11 to 15 if you follow along there. Now the parable is this, says Jesus, the seed is the word of God, the ones on the path are those who heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy but these have no root. They believe only for a while and in a time of testing fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance." So the seed is God's word and people respond to it in different ways. For some, it's actually a nothing. Something to walk on, something for others to devour without consideration or contemplation. For these people at this stage, and don't miss this, because it's easy for us to miss this, 
There is no belief and there is no salvation. Now let me say that again. Jesus says that for these people there is no belief and therefore there is no salvation. Now that makes it important, doesn't it? We are actually talking about life and death issues here. If this was the parable of the gospel, we might be able to think of it only in terms of people as they hear about the news of Jesus for the first time. But I think we have to be very, very careful about doing that. Because of who's hearing this, and in the light of what we've already seen in Luke's Gospel, the intention may well be broader. Am I a person who listens to what God is saying, especially through his Son? These are the responses. They're different. There are different responses. Some hear what God says and initially they like what they hear, but then along comes some trial or trouble. Is it persecution that comes? Is it sickness, a bad diagnosis? Well, we don't really know, do we? We just know that a time of testing comes and they fall away. Soil and plants with no root, increasingly dried out, dying and fruitless. Are we the kind of people who hear what God says through his son? Because it really matters, doesn't it? The third type of soil receives the word well enough, but look what causes fruitlessness in them. Life's worries. Life's riches. Life's pleasures. A Christian life that fails to reach maturity because of what grows up with us and around us. Are we people who hear what God says through his son but then allow that to be swallowed up and choked out by all the normal things of life? It's easy, I think, to see this as just a passage about a person's response to the gospel. After all, I've heard the gospel and I've responded to it, haven't I? I must be the good soil then. But if the passage is spoken to those alongside Jesus in his mission, then it does two very, very important things. It does prepare for them the fact that people will respond differently to God's word and that the responsibility ultimately does not lie with them. That's a good thing. But it also challenges the person who hears God's word every time, every situation. And it asks the question, which soil are you now? God says to me through his word, pray for your enemy. Which soil am I? In that instance, God says to me through his word, love your brother in thought and word and deed. Which soil am I as I respond to that word? Get rid of greed. 
Get rid of malicious talk and gossip. Run your marriage my way. Trust me to look after your eternal good. Gather together at church and all the more, not less and less. Serve the church body thinking of others before you think of yourself. Give thanks in all circumstances. Which soil am I as I hear what God says? It matters. For in the end, it's only verse 15 that we want to categorise us or characterise us who have taken on Jesus' name and mission. Isn't that true? Isn't it only verse 15 that you want to be you? But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. Isn't that the one that you want to categorise you? Is this on? Can you hear me? Isn't that the verse that you want to categorise you? Well, notice one more thing before we move on. I want you to have a look with me now at verses 9 and 10. Then his disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables, so that, looking they may not perceive, and listening they may not understand. Now we heard where that came from in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9. It is a gift of grace to come to understand what God is saying. The secrets of the kingdom of God are not revealed to the arrogant and the unteachable. They are given, as we saw last week, to the humble and receptive. These people have joined Jesus in his mission in humble trust. And to them is now given a clear unveiling and explanation of the parable. And it is the same explanation that comes to us by their faithful witness if we come to God's word in humility and trust. And by accepting rather than ignoring, by allowing it to penetrate and grow rather than letting it die out of hardship, by making sure that it's not choked out by the normal things of the world, by having a noble and good heart, retaining God's word, and by persevering, a crop for God's kingdom can be produced even now and here. Jesus spoke in the parable on that day, knowing the gathering crowds. But to those on the inside, he gave a special understanding and clarity. On the arrogant and the unyielding, God's word becomes an instrument of judgment, while those who hear it are given light and life. Do you hear what God says to his people through his Son? Jesus speaks about disclosure and revelation, and then he warns how his disciples must therefore be very, very careful in the way that they listen to him. So he goes on in verses 16 to 18. No one after lighting a lamp hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed. But he puts it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to the light. Then pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who do not have, even what they seem to have, will be taken away. 
Now, like the last time that I preached on Luke, I'm not sure if I've rightly understood this passage before. I'd always broken it away from the flow of the whole section, thinking it was about the the hidden things of a person's life and that only. But in its context, I think it might be more about being a disciple of Jesus and living out what he teaches. If Jesus teaches me some secret thing, like the meaning of a parable, because I'm on the inside of his community, if by grace I come to understand this, well then I'm compelled then to speak it out. If I learn some secret thing like that Jesus died for my sin, as the original disciples will soon learn, then they should speak that out too. Remember that for generations... The answer to how God would reconcile the world and his people to himself had remained somewhat hidden. The meaning of the parable of the sower, how different people respond to God's word, was hidden to those on the outside. But Jesus expects that these great truths, these great doctrines, these great understandings would be revealed. Revealed to the world that desperately needs to know them. A new age came into being as Jesus started to speak clarity into the world. And that's the age we live in. And so Jesus says to them in verse 18, Then pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who do not have, even what they seem to have will be taken away. Did you notice there again the call for humility and responsiveness? Arrogance and unwillingness to learn and to listen will result in a catastrophic loss. Which soil are we? Now, I've seen that, you know, and maybe you have too. When someone thinks that they've got it all sorted out, that they're smart enough not to even hear the Bible anymore, that they're above and beyond the rest that they have some special understanding that everyone else needs to benefit from, but they don't need to hear anything new. Only a few years ago, after speaking for a number of hours on Leviticus at a church camp, I had a man come up to me and he said to me, well, a young man like you has nothing to teach a man like me. I, I know the Bible. I have the Spirit of God. And so he slept as I taught. Now, it might not have been his problem if I was boring. I I can understand that. And it might not have been his problem if I spoke only about myself. But if he couldn't be bothered to read and hear and respond to what God says, well, then that's a very dangerous place to be, no matter who's speaking. The last section in our reading is a very interesting inclusion by Luke. And it is so important that we hear what Jesus says here and encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching with its truth. Who out of all the people would have thought that they knew Jesus well? His voice and what matters to him. Who is it that knows us the best? What matters to us and our voice? Well, have a look with me at verses 19 to 21 in the light of what Jesus has been teaching. Then his mother and his brothers, his family, came to him. But they could not reach him because of the crowd, and he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God 
and do it. It's kind of a chilling moment, isn't it? I'd like to think of myself as one who claims Jesus' name and is on about his mission. I like studying the Bible. If I compare myself intentionally with some others that I've met, then I I can say that I live a a pretty normal and moral life. I can lift myself up as I compare down the street. I know the great doctrines of salvation by grace and not by works, but then this. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. To be recognised by Jesus as part of his family, as those close to him, well, that will require in me a continual struggle to hear and to obey. It was the same, wasn't it, when Jesus spoke to his disciples in chapter 6, verse 46, if you remember back then. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Jesus said to them. Now, I'm a struggler, and my guess is that many of you are strugglers too. But the confronting clarity is this, being a part of the mission of Jesus, being a part of the kingdom of God, means that by the grace of God and with his help, I need to hear the word of God and to become fruitful in it. There's no place for arrogance There's no place for me to stand on high and say, I know these things, and then not to do them. I struggle. I struggle. Will you join with me in praying that my struggle might continue, that I wouldn't get choked out, that I wouldn't be revealed as someone with no root, that I might not be someone who ignores the truth, but that I would prosper and grow in the knowledge of God and of his word. Will you join with me in praying for that for me and I'll join with it in praying that for you. Will you join? Sounds like this is working and that's a good thing. Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks for your word. We're sorry, Lord, for how often we block out parts of what you say to us or the way that we we turn our ears down and run away from you. We pray that by your Holy Spirit you'd help us to hear your word and to do it more and more. Help us in our struggle, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.